Scripture together. Uh, if you're brand new, my name's Brad, and I am the lead pastor. I'm really glad that you're here. And if I've not met you, or if you brought somebody with you today, Laura and I would love to meet you. Right after service, we do something called Starting Point. Just look for the signs by the front door. We would love to say hi to you, get to know your story. We met uh, a young lady after service, got a chance to pray with her. In first service, she gave her life to Jesus, wants to get baptized. How awesome is that? That's awesome. We would love to say hi to you. By the way, if you're new and, and you're looking to get plugged in, like I want to get to know some people. Uh, core Community is coming up. We have Senior Night coming up two weeks away. It's the first Wednesday of the month. We have dinner, uh, full programming for children and youth, prayer, singing. Uh, it's just a great time of hanging out together and getting to know one another. I'd love for you to be a part of that. Well, uh, those of you that are regulars, uh, you just just looking at me like, what's up with the suit jacket? Like, I'll just address the elephant in the room, okay? That's not a, an indictment on my size. Uh, but so the reason I'm wearing this jacket is because, uh, and I'm wearing some dress shoes, is because we're starting a new series called Church Clothes. And I thought, well, I'm just going to play the part. You guys didn't play along. You didn't get the memo. So y'all got dressed up last week. Okay. But we're going to start this new series called Church Clothes. I think the church needs to see a new brand, or not the church, but the world needs to see a new brand of church clothes. And so this series is all about the church. So if you are brand new, You've come at the right time because you are going to discover over the next few weeks why in the world we gather, why we follow this guy named Jesus. Like, what are we doing here? And why do we do this? And what is it all about? And so I'm going to share about that today and, and over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to be looking at these verses that the Apostle Paul, who started a church um, to the uh, Colossae people, and he started this church. And they were struggling like we struggle. Uh, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And can I do this? Can I not do that? And, and what does it mean? And so right in the middle of this letter to them, he addresses that. And we're going to kind of use this as a memory verse. So over the next few weeks, as a church, we're going to try to commit this to memory. So we're going to be working on this, Colossians 3. We're going to put it on the screen. And I want us to all say this together. And we're going to try to say this every week and see if we can't memorize this over the next few weeks. So say this with me. Since God chose you, to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let's pray. God, these minutes that we spend with you in this room are for you. But we also want to ask that, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. We've all gathered, each of us, with our unique issues or struggles, and we just need a word. This is God, would you rain down hope and healing and peace and purpose in this room today upon your people? Church, I want to ask you to pray. Just ask God to speak to you right now. Whatever it is that you're sensing, you need a word from him. Let him speak to you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can pray. You can pray as well. God, speak to me. And, and then I, I always ask for your prayers. They mean a lot to me. That um, I've been given this commission of speaking God's word to you. It's a very humbling thing as a pastor. And 
I want to be very, very faithful to what he is trying to get said to all of us today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, before you sit down, turn to two or three people and say, hey, you look good today. You look good. You look good. Nice church clothes. Nice church clothes. Well, last week was Easter. We had some amazing Easter services. It was just great. It was exciting to see you guys invite your friends and your family and to meet so many of them. Uh, and you guys, we, we all just, last week we brought our A game when it came to dressing up, didn't we? I mean, it's that, now we are a very, if you're new, we're a very, non, you know this, I don't even know why I'm saying it. We're a very non-traditional church. Like you figured that out like in the first five minutes. You're like, this ain't, this ain't like my grandma's church. I don't know what this is. Uh, but are you not just thankful a little bit that we don't do that like every week? I mean, it's just, just nice. I mean, it's beautiful we get to do it once, but man, it's, it's just, woo, glad I don't have to do it every week. Well, some of us, like myself, I grew up where we had to do it every single week. Like, if you're new to church or you didn't grow up in church, um, man, are you lucky. Um, that sounds weird, doesn't it? <laughs> did he just say that? I did. I, but I mean that in a, in a, in a fashion wardrobe sense. Because growing up, you, uh, the, there was an evolution of church clothes that has taken place over the years. Like ladies. Ladies, it used to be that you had to wear a dress and, and you had to wear gloves. And, and the ladies had to wear a hat. And every Young lady, older lady, hat, gloves, and a dress. And then, but then it evolved and went from that to you got the chance just to wear a skirt. And then you went, went from the skirt, and, and, and then you went to what they call slacks. I mean, you got to wear those. Those were, you got, man, I'm actually, wow, I have legs. And so you're like, wow. And you got to wear slacks till the point where we've evolved to today where you actually can show up in church and wear jeans. Can I get an amen from the ladies? Yeah, you get to wear jeans to church. And I mean, if you would have shown up in jeans, just trust me, 20 years ago, they wouldn't have let you in the front door. It's crazy. But they would have been like, uh-uh, yeah, you just, you need to get church clothes on and then you can come on back. And, then, and for men, oh man, it's good for us because uh, it used to be the full suit. I mean, you had a vest, you had a tie, the dress shoes, the matching whole suit, and it was the oldest man down to the youngest boy. I mean, they had newborns. I had to wear a tie from the, every picture I have from my childhood in church. I'm wearing a tie. I mean, I'm like three years old and I've got a clip on. And I remember that I hated this clip on. And so when my mom would go off to the church and I would go to what was called Sunday school, I'd rip that clip on off and I'd stick it in my back pocket until I saw my mom again. Then I put it back on. <laughs> Looking good, mama. And so we went from the suit, and then we went to this look right here. Do you remember that look where we went from to the sport coat and kind of the khakis? And, and then we moved from there to where we took the, the sport coat off, and we just had the button-down shirt and the khakis to where we are today, men, where you can wear a ratty old T-shirt and a pair of cargo shorts if you want to. How awesome is that? Three people like that. Okay. Are you serious? Come on, man. You get to wear jeans and whatever you want. That's good news. Amen? That's nice. And if you don't mind, I, I would like to be comfortable. This was uh, fun to come out in this, but I'm not real comfortable, so Laura brought me some comfortable clothes. Because even for the pastor, 
Eve, this is what's so great. This is what kept me from going into ministry as a child. <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to dress like that. But I love it because there's been an evolution even for pastors that uh, we have gone from the suit jacket to the, the jean jacket. And yeah. Oh, so much. I'm already feeling better. I'm already feeling the Holy Spirit moving. I'm already feeling it. I'm already feeling it. I mean, and, and we've gone from the, uh, from, from the dress shoes to the tennis shoes. Did you ever think, some of you, that you'd see the day that your preacher would be wearing tennis shoes in the house of the Lord? Man, I do not care. I love it. It's much more comfortable. And now, does anybody, um, anybody remember they used to have these things called a church directory? Does anybody remember? Okay, a couple of you remember that, not many of you. Uh, back years ago, they used to have this thing called, I'm feeling better already. Uh, they, they used to have these things called church directories. And so everybody would get dressed up on a particular Sunday, and they would take your picture, and it was like a little phone book for the church. So your picture would be in there, your family's name would be in there. If you missed that Sunday, you didn't get your picture in the directory for like three years, and everybody thought, oh, what is wrong with them? Oh, geez, we need to pray for them. They're not in there. They should be right there in the S's, and they're not there. But they had these pictures. Olin Mills would show up. You might remember Olin Mills? Man, yeah, some of you went to the mall to get Olin Mills. Maybe you got to choose the background. I think I'm going to go with the fireplace. No, I'm going with the meadow. Or, or, or they had just a straight backdrop. And so I was digging through some old pictures, and I found our very first church directory picture that Laura and I ever took, okay? And this is way, way back. Check this out. This is from the church directory. Look at that. Huh? <laughs> Well, hang on a second. That's Laura with her first husband. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Man, I am, I am rocking the Joel Osteen. I, 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 <laughs> I mean, <laughs> discover the champion in you. I mean, I just, <laughs> I could do that. This is my Bible. Okay, I could do. But see, it doesn't wouldn't work. It doesn't play, does it? Does, doesn't doesn't play. But man, I am. I got a Christian Dior tie. I mean, I've got a Saint Laurent shirt on. I mean, I, uh, that is a, that's a perm by L'Oreal that I've got. <laughs> you're like, looking at that, you're like, wait a second, he has straight hair, and there it's not straight. Yeah, I, it's the 80s. Anybody remember the every guy in the 80s, you know, rocking the perm, had some, had some L.A. looks hair product on. Anybody remember some L.A. looks? Okay, get that picture off the screen. That's enough. Damage done in one service right there. But there are, in the church, there are so many different uh, stereotypes of what the church looks like and, and what the church is. And frankly, today, um, it's, it's a pretty negative viewpoint. Uh, the church is not looked upon in our society and in our culture with fondness anymore. In fact, it just seems like today, if we're honest, that we are known more for what we are against than what we are for. And, and like none of us feel that way. None of us want to be like that. None of us like that stereotype that is out there. We're known as uh, judgmental people. We're, we're known as divisive people. We are the, we're the people who are full of hate. We're, we're the angry people. We, in fact, actually some people would say that the church today they label it as a hate group. I never thought I would see that day. 
That would have been confusing to me even as short as 10 years ago. I would have said there's no way the church would be seeing that light. But it is. And the truth is, is you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that's not true. Like, that's not who we are. That, that's, that's not what we are about. In fact, we, we know that it's just a, a few loud, very negative so-called Christians that are perpetuating this stereotype, right? We know that to be true, but the world doesn't know that. And, and I, I think that society needs to know what we are for more than they need to know what we're against. Okay, I'm going to say that again. I think society needs to know what we are for more than they need to know what we are against. Amen? Come on, turn to somebody and say, they need to know what we're for. They need to know what we're for. I, I think what society needs to see is a new brand of church clothes. And so that's what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes is a new brand of church clothes. And so in this letter that Paul wrote to this church that he started, he, he talks about uh, the kind of church clothes that we should be wearing, that God wants us to wear. Let's, let's look back at the two verses that we put on the screen, so we'll put it on again for you. These are the ones we're trying to memorize, and I want you to say the underlined parts with me, okay? It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, must clothe yourselves with what? Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Okay, so, and then he goes on and says, above all, clothe yourselves with what? love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So what Paul's doing here is he's describing for us the character of Christ, that this is who Jesus is. And so what we're going to do is over the next six weeks, we're going to go on this journey together, and we're going to look at these six different characteristics of Christ, because this is who Jesus was. This is uh, what he was known for. This, this is why People were drawn to him. He, he was a man of mercy. He, he would see people that uh, were sick or, or deformed, and he would reach out to them. He saw people that were called sinners, and he would go and eat with them, or he would have the audacity to actually say their sins are forgiven. And the religious people of that day, the legalistic people of that day, would say, no, 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 we don't associate with those people. We don't allow those people into the church. We separate ourselves from those people. Jesus was a kind man. I mean, his kindness was overwhelming. He would go to groups that others would not associate with. The Jewish people, for instance, they would not associate with the Samaritan people. They thought they were like dogs. And the women in that society, they, they had no rights they were pushed down to the lowest rung, but Jesus came and he invited women into his ministry. And in one point, he's talking to a Samaritan woman by himself at a well one time because of the kindness that oozed from him. And humble, man, I mean, he's known as the humble servant. I mean, we talked about it last week. Jesus, son of God, came to this earth to die for the sins of mankind. He could have shown up. Because he's God, he could have shown up and said, all right, y'all, I am God, and y'all are going to bow to me. I don't think Jesus would have a, a, an Oklahoma accent like that. But he would say, y'all are going to bow to me right now because y'all know who I am. So face planet now. 
but he, he didn't do that. that. That's not who Jesus was. No, Jesus was a person of mercy, a person of kindness. He was a person of humility, gentleness, patience. He was a person of love. And so what Paul here is calling us to do, the church, is to clothe ourselves in Christ's character. See, the church, the church is not a religious organization. The church is the body of Christ. If you're new to church, it's a whole new experience for you. You may have this impression that the church is a religious organization. We are not a religious organization. We are the body of Christ. That is who we are. We represent Christ to people on this earth. So I'd like for you to write this down. This is what I want us to kind of go over the next few minutes with this. As the body of Christ, we should clothe ourselves with the character of Christ. As the body of Christ, we should clothe ourselves with the character of Christ. In other words, we should be known for mercy. We should be known for kindness. Our rep in, the, in society, your reputation at work, your kid's reputation on the soccer field, your reputation in the classroom with that professor who's spouting a different philosophy in life, your, your rep, your reputation as a follower of Jesus should be one of kindness. People should look at you and go, hey, that person there that I work with, I don't know what his deal is, but he's the most gentle person I've ever been around, kind person. Man, that's the most loving person. I've. This is what we are to be known for. We are not to be known for what we are against. This is who we are. This is, this is what we do. It's who Jesus was, and we reflect his character. So Paul, Paul challenges us, and he says, put on the character of Christ. Put on a new brand uh, of church clothes. And, and he says what we should do is we, we got to look, and we got to act a little bit different than other people. In fact, go back to verse 5, and he, he talks about what looking different looks like. And in verse 5, he says this, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. And then he gives this list of things. He talks about sexual immorality, lust, greed, anger, rage, slander, um, dirty language. And, he, and this, this is not meant, by the way, to be an exhaustive list of sins. Like, okay, there they all are. Those are the ones right there. Just don't do any of those and you'll be okay. So this isn't meant to be some exhaustive list that, that Paul is trying to give us, nor is it to be a checklist that we use on other people. But legalistic, self-righteous people, they love verses like these. I mean, they, they like to point them out, and they like to kind of use them kind of as a, as a sanctified checklist. It's like, um, it's like applying for health insurance. I don't know if you've ever applied for health insurance, but it is not fun. Uh, Laura and I are going through that right now where we're looking at different health insurance options, and they have this thing called pre-existing conditions. And you have to lay out your entire health history. I'm telling you, get health insurance when you're four years old, lock it down, and don't change it, Okay. <laughs> That's the only hope you have, okay? Because they will dig and they will dig and they will dig until they find it like, hey, uh, excuse me, Mr. Farnsworth, we found out you had a cold three weeks ago. Uh, I'm sorry, that won't be covered for 36 months now. I mean, they just have, it's just ridiculous what's covered 
what's not covered, and it gets to the point of ridiculousness. Do you ever feel like nothing's covered? Do you ever feel, I feel that way, like nothing is covered. It's like, well, now, Mr. Farnsworth, I, I, it looks, did you have, did you and your wife have a child like about 20 years ago? Yes, we did. Oh, well, good news. You can have another one now. No, thank you. We're good. We don't need that. Legalistic and self-righteous people love pre-existing conditions. And they, they love to point them out. Like, oh, 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 you struggle with lust? Oh, you struggle with lust, really? Oh, you did what? Oh, 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 I don't need those details. Hello, hell, come on. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah that's pre-existing. Tell you what, you're going to have to wait 36 months, and then we're going to let you into the church, okay? Wait 36 months, get good cleaned up, get it all worked out, and then you can come in, Okay. Oh, you have an anger problem. Oh, you have an anger problem. What, did you apply for health insurance? Is that what you did? <laughs> yeah, mm, yeah, you shouldn't have yelled at that person. Now you're gonna have to wait 36 months and then we're gonna, and they like to put all these pre-existing conditions and say, well, you need to do this in order to be accepted. Oh, you gotta fix this and then you can come into the church. That is not who we are. That, that is not the picture of even close to what Paul is trying to get said here in, in verse 5. Here's, here's the question. Why do we get mad at sinners for sinning? You ever thought how ridiculous that is? I'm going to get mad at a sinner for sinning. That's like getting mad at a fish for getting wet. Okay? It's like getting mad at the thunder for choking in the playoffs. I mean, it's just... It, it's just is it too soon? Too soon? Yeah. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. Yeah. There's a chance. We're still in it. Anyway. But listen to this. Paul's, Paul's not talking to non-believers. In, the, in this passage, he's talking to the church. He's talking to those of us that are, that are followers of Jesus. And what I, what I like here is he's talking to people who are, who are saved but, but they're, they're struggling. So here's the thing. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, you are completely off the hook. You do not have to follow this teaching. You're not a follower of Jesus. You don't have to adhere to this. This is, this is for those of us, though, who placed our faith in Jesus. Those of us who've put our faith in Jesus and said, I, I want to follow after him. This is not optional. In fact, it's, it's really, it's, it's a mandate. This is like, look what Paul said. Paul said, put to death the sinful things that are lurking within you. He, he doesn't say, hey, try to slow down a little bit on that greed thing. Maybe only buy one or two shirts a week, okay? Slow down. No, he doesn't, he doesn't say, you know what, you know what, hey, you know, ease up on the anger thing. Hey, hey, you know what, how about you just look at porn on Tuesdays only, okay? How about that? And you just no. He says, put it to death. And it's so important that we all understand one thing here, especially this, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus. We need to all understand this. This is not a salvation issue. This is not some spiritual sanctified checklist that when you get up to heaven, you, ha oh, you better not have done that. You better not have done that. You better not have done that, because if you did that, you're out. 
No, no, no. That is not the picture of Scripture. That's not what Paul's trying to get said here. In, in, in fact, we all need to understand this. Salvation is all about the only checklist that salvation has is grace. I'm saved by faith and the grace of Jesus Christ. Okay? That's what I'm saved by. That's really, really good news because I mess up a lot. Maybe you're good, but I'm not all that good. I need the grace, okay? Because I know for me, it's this idea, man, I, I know that I sin in thought, word, and deed. I know. Now, maybe you're here today and you, maybe you've never sinned. Maybe you, gave, maybe, maybe you made that commitment to Jesus, you know, you did that, and boom, you, I haven't sinned since 1979. It was April the 3rd. No sin in this place. I want to welcome you to come up here. I will resign. You can start teaching, okay? Because you're in a room full of misfits, Turn to somebody tell them right now, you're not a misfit. Don't, you don't have to take that. Turn, come on, tell somebody right now, you're, you're good, you're good, you're cool. He ain't talking to you. Our salvation is based on faith, faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's, that's the beauty of grace. But what Paul is trying to get said here, he's saying put it to death. Stop doing it because it's pulling you away from Jesus. The very one you need to become like, the very one that people love and adore, the very one who did everything right. When you do these things, it's pulling you back into your former lifestyle. It's pulling you back to those things that you hated, to those things that you despised, and you're going back towards death and not life. That's why he says it. Put it to death. He says, put it to death because it's hurting you. Every time you do that, it hurts you, and it hurts those around you. And listen, it doesn't make the world a better place. I mean, last time I checked, hey, porn didn't make the world a better place, okay? Anger didn't make the world a better place. Nobody went, hey, sign me up for greed. Man, the world is better with a bunch of greedy, narcissistic people. No. He says, put those things to death. You need to become like Jesus because the world needs you. The world needs you. You may feel like nobody needs me. What purpose do I have? Why do I exist? I don't get it. I mean, what's the point? The world needs you. You have the hope of Jesus in you. You've been given this gift, and you can be merciful to somebody who desperately needs it. Who's going to do that if we don't do it? We are the people of mercy. We are the people of kindness. This is who we are, and this is what we do. Come on, tell three people right now, the world needs you. Come on, tell them right now. Three people, the world needs you. This is who we are. This is what we do. We lead the way in mercy. We lead the way in kindness. We lead the way in gentleness. We lead the way in love. This is a picture of the church. This is who we've been for 2,000 years. You know, we've done some things. There's been some radical, crazy, stupid stuff that the church has done, but that's just some people going off on something on their own. It's not who Jesus was. No, the people that we are, listen, the church, the reason we have hospitals today it's because Christians said, we need to show mercy. The very first hospitals were started by Christians. The very first missions started by Christians. The very first orphanages started by Christians. And man, do you know what I love about us as followers of Jesus? In the early 1900s, if you were a woman, you had no place in society. 
Man, you, man, praise God you can wear jeans today, but can you, I can't even fathom what it would have been like for a woman in the early 1900s. You can't, you have no, vote, uh, no ability to vote. You can't have a career. You have no aspirations, nothing. You're on the low end, the low ring, and you are a servant to men. That was kind of our society. Do you know who led the way in women's rights? The church. The church was leading the way for women to have the rights, women to be respected, women to be honored in our society. The very first women's rights convention was put together by Christians and held in a church in New York City. This is who we are. This is what we have done. In fact, you heard earlier, we are, um, Core Church is a part of the International Church of the Nazarene. We're a partner church, and there's over 2 million people right now worshiping around the world together. And the early Nazarenes in 1909 began the very first women's, uh, the very first home for unwed mothers in Oklahoma in 1909. That's our history. That's who we are. In fact, I dug through some archives. I, I found a picture. It's very grainy. It's very hard to see. But check this out. This is a picture of this home for unwed mothers. In the first two years that it was open, over 100 babies were born. This is who we are. We are people of mercy. We are people of kindness. And core church, did you not hear the story just a few moments ago of who we are and what we did? A few years ago, we decided, you know what? Let's launch a compassionate ministry center Buddy and Alicia were on the front end of that. We gathered with other churches and we said, this is a great idea. And we, we helped spearhead this thing and launch it out and sent our people to be a part of this great work, to do an incredible work. This is who we are. And uh, Buddy didn't have a chance. I want you to come up here, Buddy, because I want you to read this letter. Buddy has a letter that he didn't get a chance to read earlier that I want you to hear because I want you to hear the difference that you are making. I want you to hear if you're not a follower of Jesus or you have a the stigma about the church or the stereotype of the church, I want you to hear who we are, what we're about. This is a letter that was left by someone last night. Last night, that's Celebrate Recovery. Read this letter, it's amazing. Okay. Uh, from most of those of us in the homeless community, many, many thanks. Many, many thanks for all that you have done on behalf, on our behalf. As a spokesman of the group, I must say, you are truly children of God, as you have had, as you have on so many occasions reached out to us. With humility, we must ask you to forgive our lack of participation in your church and ministry. We hope to, in the future, gather with you, good people, and ask for your continued prayers. Thank you, and may God bless you tenfold mm. as you have blessed us. Man. Amen. <laughs> this is who we are. This is what we do. But can we just be honest? Have you ever had, had moments where those characteristics are not just flowing out of you like honey? You know, come on. I mean, it's just not... It ain't coming that easy. I mean, every parent can relate to this. Like if you have, if you have a daughter, remember the first time she rolled her eyes at you? She's like six years old. She's like, eh. 
You're like, oh no, you did not just do that. Oh no, hold me back, hold me back. I mean, that, that gentleness is not oozing out of you. Mercy is not oozing out of you in that moment. Like if you've had boys, I've had three boys. Boys don't roll their eyes because that'd just be weird if your boy went, eh. <laughs> you just laugh at them. But boys, they have a death stare. Like they're just looking at you like, I'm going to kill you dead. <laughs> That's the look they give you. And you're like, you're three. Are you serious? I'm going to kill you dead, day. I mean, it's death stare. That moment you're just like, oh, what? okay. I mean, it just, it's just not oozing out of you. The character of Christ is nowhere to be found. So how, how do we do it? Like, how can we put on Christ's character? I think if we're going to put on Christ's character, we need Christ's help. And let's look at verse 10. Here's the Apostle Paul gives us some words of encouragement. He says, put on your new nature. In other words, put on Christ's character. Put on, put on mercy. He's like, put on, put on kindness. Put on love. He says, be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. See, when you become a Christ follower, you, you, you don't automatically just stop sinning. Would that just, that'd just be awesome, wouldn't it? Like, bing, I don't sinning anymore. If you follow Jesus for any amount of time, you know that's, that's not true. That's not what happens to us. But putting on your new nature, as Paul says, putting on the character of Christ and, and becoming like Jesus, it's a process. We're all in process. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, I'm in process. Come on, find somebody and say, I, I'm in process. Okay, I am a work in process. Man, that's who, that's who we are. It's, just like, it's like picking out an outfit. Remember Easter morning, getting up and going, oh, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? And you're just like really thinking, I got to wear I can't wear that. No, I'm going to wear, wear that. And you're just really intent on what you're, you're going to wear. And I mean, guys, can we just come in? We have a guy moment here. <laughs> We've all got that one shirt that we know we should get rid of, but, but you can't. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're like, I've had this since high school, honey. And your wife's like, seriously. Right now, the ladies are like, preach it, preach it, bring it, bring it, tell them, tell them, thick them, thick them. But we have this shirt, and you're just like, you're just like, oh, it smells like 1983. I mean, you just look at it, and you know, it's just wore out, but it's like you have this bond with this shirt, and you cradle it, and you sing songs to it at night. You know, you're like, I love you, little shirt, and get rid of it. I mean, you just know you should get rid of it, but, but, but you don't. I mean, this is, this is what the Apostle Paul's trying to get said through this whole passage of Scripture to us, is that we all, we all have old clothes. We all have these behaviors, and we have, have these, these faults about us. And, and what we need to be doing is, is we need to let God update our wardrobe. We need to let God go through our wardrobe. We need to let him take out those things that don't resemble him, those things that you go, yeah, but I'm comfortable in it. You know, I've learned to kind of accept it, and everyone else around you knows it stinks, and it's been stinking since 1983. But you're like, yeah, but this is just who I am. You just, this is who I am. I mean, you're just like, yeah, accept me for who I am. Okay, no. God says, no, this is not who you are. That's the old you. I want to make you into the new you. Man, there's so much you have to offer this world. And I want to change you, and I want to make you over into this new nature, into my image. And 
Here's the thing we all have to understand. Christianity isn't about duty. Christianity isn't about, I got to read my Bible, I got to pray, I got to go to church and make sure I don't do that list that he mentioned about the lust and the dirty language. I mean, I just can't do any of that anymore. And I got to do this, do this, do this. And it becomes religious duty. And what happens is it weighs you down and and it causes people to drift out of the church or, or push back against the church. And the truth is, though, some of you are here today, you are here out of religious duty. You're here for the wrong reason. Don't go to church for, for religious duty. Don't read the Bible for religious duty. Don't pray because you're supposed to. No, do those things and embrace this new wardrobe that God has for you. Recognize and realize that this world needs to see a new wardrobe. They need to see a new brand of Christianity. Listen, there is a loud minority out there right now shouting out negativity, talking smack and saying ugly things and calling themselves Christians and giving us the wrong image to our world. We've got to rise up and we've got to drown out that voice. Y'all are clapping, but you're going to have to do some difficult things. Somebody just spouts off on Facebook, don't comment back. That creates a thread of 120, and it makes us look terrible. It's 120 Christians just going at it through the thread. It's awful. You know what you need to do? Defriend them. Just defriend them. Oh, but it's my husband. Well, okay. (laughs) We've got counseling for that. But you may need to defriend them. You're in a circle and people are talking smack and they're talking about this group and that group and I can't believe they have this and I can't believe they're allowing this in our society today. And I'm not saying there aren't things that we shouldn't stand up for. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying the negativity and the hate has got to stop and it's got to stop with us. We've got to step into that circle and we've got to bring mercy into that circle. We gotta bring Jesus into that circle. You gotta bring Jesus into the workplace. You gotta bring Jesus into that college classroom where the professor is spouting off what you know to be lies. Well, you know to not be true about your faith. But there's a right way and a wrong way to stand up for that. And you gotta put on the character of Christ in that moment. God, give me mercy. God, help me to be patient. Show me how to be loving. I wish I could tell you it was easy. Even as a staff, we sit around and we wrestle with this all the time. What, what should we say? What should we not say? What do we take a stand for? What do we not take a stand for? When we take a stand, how do we say this in the most loving, caring way? You're going to have to wrestle with it. And you're going to have to figure it out. That's why I'm going to encourage you, be here for the next six weeks. Be here. Don't just go, well, okay, I'll just be a person of mercy. I'll be. No, no, be here. Because each week we're going to break each one of these down so we can embrace the character of Christ.